So today we kind of wrap up our core value series. And um, although, like most biblical subject matter, I do reserve the right to revisit these things from time to time. And, and if there's something else that I, I want to kind of share, it, it, it can come up like that. But uh, just for a quick review for maybe those of you that haven't been with us every Sunday, uh, about a month or so ago we talked about how LCC strives for unity. We understand the importance of unity. And you know what? The devil understands the importance of unity. Did you know that the devil's not afraid of a large church? But he's really afraid of a unified one. And when we can get on the same page and stay on the same page on the essentials, okay? You know, so many times we fuss about non-essential things, okay? But when we think about the essential things, the things that have eternal value, when we're on the same page with those things, I believe it brings great honor to God, and it also creates an atmosphere where great power is available to a unified church. Amen? Then we talked about how LCC loves God and loves people. Now, how many know this is a lot easier to say than do? I, I use the little term that I use every now and then, EGR. Anybody remember what that means? Extra grace required, okay? Seth must work with a couple EGRs, okay? But, but don't we all, okay? Some of you live with an EGR. We'll have, a prayer, we'll have a prayer time for you a little later. But what is an EGR? Extra grace is required. How many know that it's easier to love God than some, to love some people? There are some cranky people out there. There are some folks that are just difficult people. Well, guess what? We're supposed to love them as well. But if you'll focus on your love for God, it'll make loving people a whole lot easier. So we talked about that. And uh, we also talked about how we love missions. Why do we love missions? Because God loves missions. We love missions because we love God and we love people. It's really, really pretty simple. Missions is God's heartbeat. Amen? Because it has everything to do with souls. You know what, guys? That's the currency of heaven. That's the only thing that really matters in heaven, okay? We're not going we're, we're to worry about uh, what we're dressed in in heaven. We're not going to worry about how our hair looks in heaven. We're just going to worry about who's there. Amen? And those are people that we have invested in. That's what missions is all about, okay? It's God's heartbeat. And then last week we talked about how Louis, uh, as Lighthouse Community Church believes God. We believe in the power of prayer. We believe God keeps His promises. We believe God has great plans for us all. Amen? Good stuff, huh? Well, today, we're going to kind of wrap things up. And today's topic is a, is a simple topic, but it's a pretty profound one. And the topic is simply honor. Honor. More specifically, Lighthouse Community Church cultivates a culture of honor by honoring God and honoring people. Now, you know what? People talk about honor all the time, okay? But we not only talk about it, we practice it, amen? In fact, in fact, we probably talk about it less than we practice it, okay? We just believe in honor because uh, we're supposed to. It's a practical thing, and it's also a biblical thing. So I pray today that the Lord would help us to realize how important honor really is in the kingdom of God. So let's pray today that the Lord would open up our hearts and help us to create an atmosphere that would be very much pleasing to Him. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for an opportunity today, God, to study your word. I just ask right now, Lord God, that you would bless us. You would bless us. You would touch us. You would encourage us and strengthen us, Lord God. God, when it comes to honor, we want to honor you with everything we say and everything we do. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. And everybody would say, amen and amen. Let me give you the definition of honor. Honor is defined as high respect, great esteem, adherence to what is right or to a high standard of conduct. 
to regard with great respect. You see, guys, a culture of honor is pleasing to the Lord, and it brings honor and glory to Him as well. So let's unpack how we should honor God. First of all, we're commanded to do so. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6. By the way, I did not give uh, Brother Don my list of scriptures, so we forgive you in advance. I did give him a real cute little meme during announcement time. How, how many saw that? By the way, have you just seen that everywhere? Is the little screaming lady and the cat. Where did that come from? Okay. But again, uh, I think it got your attention and hopefully you paid attention to announcements. Okay. So 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, verse number 19 and 20. Let's see what Paul had to say right here. 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, verse 19 and 20. The Bible says what? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. Friends, you are not your own. The Bible says why you are not your own. Verse number 20. For you are bought with a price. Therefore, what? Glorify God or honor God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You see, guys, we are commanded to honor God. It's one of the reasons we were created. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Did you realize that as a believer? The Holy Spirit of God, the third member of the Trinity, resides in you. Let that sink in. He goes with you everywhere as you go. It's why we're reminding folks all the time to not grieve the Holy Spirit in what you do, what you say, and where you go. Because you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Wherever you go, He goes. Amen? So let's make sure that everywhere you go, everything you do, everything you say does not grieve Him. How do I know if I'm grieving the Holy Spirit? Oh, you know. (laughs) You know. Okay? It's that that little still small voice. It's that conscience of yours. You ever had a little check in your spirit? You were were about to do something, about to say something, and, and you just feel a little check? The problem with us Cajuns is we say it anyhow. We'll have an altar call for you in a little while, too. Okay? Oh, am I might have to Pastor Randy give that altar call because I'm Cajun like you are, okay? But he is too. <laughs> but here's the deal, guys. We need to listen to the Holy Spirit. Amen? If we would just listen to the Holy Ghost, we'd get in a lot less trouble. Notice I didn't say listen to your wife, even though how many know my wife sounds a lot like the Holy Spirit? Anybody, anybody else like that? LaDon, you been there? I mean, the Holy Spirit, my wife, they both sound the same, okay? They say many of the same things. I'm glad I got that situation, okay? Except the difference is the Holy Ghost don't nag. Moving right along. And neither does mine. Okay? Neither does mine. What's that? That's crawfishing. That, that's Jamie. That's crawfishing right there. Let me get back to my notes before I get in trouble. So we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. So we're supposed to honor God. How many remember your wedding vows? Okay? Now, look, I'm going to give Brother Bernie a pass because it was 73 years ago. Okay? So, Brother Bernie, if you don't remember everything that was said at that thing, I'll give you a pass. Okay? Although he does remember saying, I do. Okay? And you did. And 73 years later, you still are. Good job. Okay? But, look, how many remember your wedding vows? Okay? Remember that day? 
Remember that day back 26 years ago? Awesome, huh? It was really, really cool. Okay? I've performed many, many weddings, okay? And I get to say a lot of stuff. And if you're wondering, wow, you preachers memorize all that stuff? No, we have a book, okay? It's a little thing we keep in our hands. You don't notice it, but I'm giving away trade secrets, Brother Andy. But here's the thing. When it comes to wedding vows, there's there's three little words that, that often are in part of a phrase that, that, that we tell the bride or we tell the groom. Love, honor, and obey. You ever heard that? Love, honor, and obey, okay? Some, some phraseology, it may sound a little different, it may, it, but, but at the end of the day, those wedding vows include the words to love, honor, and obey. Now, you're not paying much attention to what the preacher is saying. You're just staring at your bride. You're staring at your groom. You're like, ah. Oh. And then you're like, then I nudge you and you go, I do, okay? Yeah, you did, okay? So, so love, honor, and obey is kind of some words that are just kind of linked together. These three words are linked together as essential elements to every healthy relationship. With this in mind, consider what Jesus said in John 14 and 15. Jesus said, if you love me, you would what? Keep my commandments. See, there's a connection between loving and obeying. Jesus said, if you love me, if you really love me, if you want to do things like, like I want you to do things, you'll, you'll listen to me. You'll obey my commands, okay? Love, honor, and obedience are all tied together. If we love God and want to honor him, we will obey his commands. Doesn't that make sense? If we love God, if we want to honor God, we'll do what he tells us to do. So let's look at two specific ways that we can honor God, and both were exemplified by King David of Israel. I don't know about you, but I love King David. King David is one of my favorite uh, Bible characters in all the earth, uh, in all the Bible, okay? He was an amazing leader. He was an amazing warrior, amazing worshiper, just a man's man. The dude had it all together, okay? Now, was he perfect? No, far from it. He had some, some great mistakes. He had some tragedies in his life. But one of the things that kept him heading in the right direction is he had a heart that was after God. He has a heart that was tender toward God. And guys, I just want to challenge you. Always keep your heart tender toward God. You know, a couple of days ago, we got together with Don Logan. Pastor Don was taking some time to, to, to pour into some young ministers. And, and the topic that he chose to speak on was suffering. You know, you don't get a lot of amens on that, okay? And I'm not going to camp out here very long. But he talked about how it, for a minister or a Christian, you're going to go through some suffering. Ronnie said as much, okay? You're going to go through some tough times. It's not going to always be a bed of roses. But one of the things that we came, that we pulled out of that teaching was during suffering, during difficult times, during tough times, you have a choice. You can become better or you can become bitter. Not much difference, huh? In fact, it's only one letter, I. It's all up to you because you get to make the choice. Have you seen people go through very much the same situation and one became better because of it, the other became bitter because of it? Guys, I want to just challenge you. Choose to become better. David, far from a perfect man, but he often chose to become better. He allowed what he was going through. He allowed it to draw him closer to God, not away from God. It wasn't in my notes, but somebody needed to hear that. So let's look at two aspects of how we can honor God. Number one, we need to worship God passionately. Worship God passionately. Did you realize that you were created with a free will so you could choose to worship God? 
You see, the angels don't really have that free will, okay? At least not the ones that are left up in heaven, okay? They had a little, had a little situation thousands of years ago. God dealt with that, okay? But angels were created with one purpose, to worship, okay? You and I were created with a similar purpose, but we get the choice. We get the power of choosing. And God's when you choose to worship God, when you choose to forget about how bad your week was, when you forget, when you choose to forget about how much it hurts for you to stand up, or how much it was a sacrifice for you to be here, and you lift your hands and close your eyes and begin to worship, that is pleasing to the Lord. That brings honor unto Him. And God's we are called to worship God passionately. Consider what Paul said in Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12, verse number 1, the Bible says this, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service or worship. That is your reasonable act of worship, presenting your bodies a living sacrifice, realizing that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost, and you're going to live accordingly. So we are called to worship God passionately. But how many know your heart's got to be in it? Your heart's got to be in it. And you know what? We might be able to fool our neighbor. We might be able to get over on this bliss, but you can't get over on God. Amen? Because God sees our heart. God sees our heart. See, Jesus warned about half-hearted worship in Matthew chapter number 15. Let me read it to you. Matthew chapter number 15, verses 8 and 9, Jesus said this, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart far from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching or teaching. For doctrines, the commandments of men. Talk about religious folks of the day. They had it all together on the outside, but they were dead men's bones on the inside. Guys, I want to challenge you today. Yeah, the outside is important, but it ain't as important as the inside. And some of us, you're trying to get the outside together when God says, if you just take care of the inside, I'll take care of the outside. If you just worship Him, if you just fall passionately in love with Jesus, guess what? All that other stuff will take care of itself. Amen? So, guys, we need to be cautious that, 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 that we really got our heart in it, that we really take full advantage of what we're called to do, and that's worship God passionately. The real essence of worship is found in John chapter number 4. John chapter number 4 is the real essence of what Jesus was talking about. John 4, verses 23 through 24. Jesus, again, is, is asked about worship, and he does some teaching on it. John chapter number 4. Verse number 23. Don will find it before I do. John chapter number 4, verse number 23. Again, the subject of worship is being taught on. In verse number 23, Jesus says, But the hour cometh and now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Amen? Guys, there's no going through the motions. We need to make up our mind that we're going to worship God. And guess what? Worship doesn't just start and end in a church service. Worship continues when you go to school. Worship continues when you go to work. Worship continues when you go eat with your family after church. Amen? Worship is, 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 is all about our life. John Piper calls true worship 
valuing or treasuring God above all things. Let me say that again. Valuing or treasuring God above all things. That's what true worship is. Now, David exemplified this. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 2 Samuel chapter number 6. 2 Samuel chapter number 6. Good stuff right here. In the first part of chapter number 6, well, David was trying to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. Now, the Ark of the Covenant in Old Testament days represented what? The presence of God. Okay? Now, it was a great idea. We're going to bring the presence of God back. Only one problem is David didn't quite go through all the details of how to transport the presence of God. And it cost them. It cost uh, somebody dearly. It cost them their life. So they were scared to death, and they just said, Let's just let that thing hang out with Obedium for a little while, okay? We, we, need to, we need to regroup. We need to figure some things out a little bit. So let me pick up reading in verse number 11. As you can tell, the print in my red Bible is a little smaller than in my black Bible. So let's read it together. Let's look at it. 2 Samuel chapter number 6, verse number 11. It says, The ark of the Lord continued in the house of Obed-Edom to Gittite three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Look, guys, there's a blessing that comes with the presence of God. It's why we want the presence so badly at this church. It's why you need the presence so badly at your home. And we need to create an atmosphere where the presence of God is welcomed and celebrated. Why? Because blessings accompany the presence. Verse number 12. And it was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom unto the city of David with gladness. And it was so that when they bare the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. Basically, every ten feet, every fifteen feet, they stopped the procession and they made sacrifice. It was a laborious, it was, it was a sacrifice. It was worship. Verse number 15, or 14 rather. And David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was girded with, girded with just a linen ephod. And David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and the sound of the trumpet. Guys, it was a celebration. And that's what worship really is. Worship is a celebration of who God is and what he has done for you. Amen? And David was worshiping. David was excited about bringing the presence of God back to the city of God. Verse number 16. And as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael... Saul's daughter looked through a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. You know what, guys? Everybody's not going to understand your worship. Everybody's not going to understand what you've been through. Amen? Michael didn't understand her husband. She did. In fact, she was insulted. She was, uh, she was flabbergasted that a king would act as such. Well, guess what, guys? It wasn't about what she thought. It was about what God thought. Amen? And I would just tell you that as you're worshiping unto the Lord, people might un not understand, but if they've been through what you've been through, then they might get an idea. Amen? To whom much is given, much is expected. If God, if, uh, he who for has been forgiven much loves much. Amen? Sometimes religious folks forget that. Verse 17. 
And they brought in the ark of the Lord, and they set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And as soon as David had made an end of offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, he blessed the people in the house in the name of the Lord of hosts. Look, guys, David was a worshiper. David was a worshiper. He wrote many of the Psalms. He was a worshiper at heart. Before he became king, he was a worshiper. Amen? I think in many ways, because of he was a worshiper, God promoted him as king. Guys, there are blessings that accompany being a worshiper. Worship is a celebration of who God is and what he has done for you. Everyone might not understand or even approve, but when it's done unto the Lord, it it pleases him. And that's what it's really all about. Amen? David wasn't worried about what his wife thought. By the way, husbands, I wouldn't try that if I were you. But David wasn't worried about what his wife thought. David wasn't worried about what anybody else thought. He just wanted to worship God. Guys, that's worshiping God passionately. And I challenge you, that is something we all need to do. Second area for us to worship God, I believe the Lord laid on my heart, is that we should not only worship God passionately, but we should give sacrificially. Give sacrificially. How many know God's a giver? God's a giver. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. He gave his only begotten son. He didn't just give awesome rams. He didn't just give what was left over. He gave the best heaven had to offer. Amen? And you and I should do likewise. God is a giver, and you and I should be as well. Paul taught concerning giving in 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. You have your Bibles, turn with me there. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. Now in chapter number 8, he's talking about an offering that that was received for for a great need. And and in chapter number 9, he continues with verses 6 through 8. Let me just read them to you quickly. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9, verse number 6. We're talking about giving sacrificially. But this I say, he that soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. He that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. Guys, there is a principle called sowing and reaping. How many remember the scripture that says, God shall not be mocked whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. That works in every aspect of life, including giving. Amen? So we're reminded that when we sow bountifully, when we sow generously, guess what? We'll reap in that same measure. So he he just reminds us of that teaching. And in verse number 7, Paul says, Every man according to as he purpose in his heart, let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a what? Cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Amen? God doesn't want you to give grudgingly. God doesn't want you to give out of obligation. God wants you to give because you are a worshiper. Guys, you realize that these two are connected, right? You can, Worship doesn't end when the song ends. Worship doesn't end when service uh, ends. Worship is a matter of our life. We worship in every area of our lives. We worship in our giving as well. Verse number 9, or verse number 8, rather. And God is able. Well, I could camp out there for a little while. How many are glad God is able? 
How many have lived long enough to realize God is able? How many have watched God do for you what you could not do for yourself? Amen? You know, I say this all the time when it comes to the tithe. A blessed 90% will go further than a cursed 100%. What you talking about, preacher? The Bible says that when you give the tithe, when you give 10%, God blesses you because of it. Amen? So, guys, I'd rather watch the blessed 90% go so much further than anything else could go. God is able. Look what Paul says he's able to do. He's able to make all grace abound towards you. And you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Basically, God's going to take care of you. Amen? Blessings follow obedience. And when we're obedient to the Lord as a worshiper, as a sacrificial giver, God will take care of you. Amen? That's good stuff. Again, guys, we believe here at LCC that we are blessed in order to be a blessing. A blessing to God and a blessing to others. Again, David illustrated this uh, this teaching in 2 Samuel chapter number 24. We were in 2 Samuel 6. Let's jump over to, her, uh, to chapter number 24. Now, in, in 2 Samuel chapter number 24, remember we talked about how David was far from a perfect person? Well, he failed miserably. He decided he wanted to count God's people, okay? Not because God told him to, but he just wanted to see how many people he had, okay? He was even counseled against it. I think it was Joab said, why would you do such an evil thing? Just Let's just trust the God, the Lord. And, and that's what this was. This was an act of distrust. He wanted to kind of see everything that was going on. Well, because of his act of disobedience, judgment came, okay? And during this judgment, there was a great plague that was happening. So let's pick up reading, I believe, in verse number 17 of 2 Samuel 24. It says this, there's been a great plague gone. And in verse 17, it says, And David spake unto the Lord when he saw the angel that smote the people and said, Lo, I have sinned, I have done wickedly, but these sheep, what have they done? Let your hand, I pray thee, be against me and my father's house. David interceded for the people. David repented. David said, God, it was me, it wasn't them. Have mercy. God answered that prayer. Amen? And look what happens in verse number 18. Again, we're talking about giving sacrificially. And Gad came that day to David and said unto him, Go up, rear an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Arunah the Jebusite. And David, according to the saying of Gad, went up as the Lord commanded. And Arunah looked and saw the king and his servants coming on toward him. And Arunah went out and bowed himself before the king on the face upon the ground. And Arunah said, Wherefore is my lord the king come to his servant? David said, To buy the threshing floor of thee, to build an altar unto the Lord, that the plague may be stayed from the people. And Arunah said unto David, Let my lord the king take and offer up what seemeth good unto him. Behold, here are the oxen for birth sacrifice, the threshing instruments, and other instruments of the oxen. All these things did Arunah as a king give unto the king, and Arunah said unto the king, The Lord thy God accept thee. Look, Arunah was going through the same judgment David was going through. It was a difficult time, and David was wanting to worship. He was wanting to set up an altar and give give praise to God, and Arunah was like, hey, everything you need, here it is. Here's the place, here's the oxen, whatever you need to do, David, you're the king. Have it all. It's been real easy for David to say, okay. But look at verse number 24. And the king said unto Arunah, No, 
but I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offerings unto the Lord my God, which does cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. David taught us something right there. Guys, we should not offer anything to God that didn't cost us something. Amen? I talked about worshiping God passionately. That's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you something physically. It's going to cost you something spiritually. When it comes to giving sacrificially, that's going to cost you as well. It's going to cost you, but I promise you, friend, if you'll have the heart of David, if you'll say, God, it's all yours anyhow. I'm just giving a little bit of it back. He will bless you for it. See, David illustrated giving sacrificially. And when we do the same, when we recognize that God is worth it all, there is nothing that God cannot do. Let's see, let's, the, the final verse of verse number 25, it says, And David built an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. So the Lord was entreated for the land, and the plague was stopped. You see, guys, worship gets God's attention. Sacrificial giving gets God's attention. Hmm. Bringing honor to God by sacrificial giving will cost you something. But, friend, it is so worth it because he's so worth it. Amen? Isn't that true? Not only do we honor God, but we're also supposed to honor people as well. Amen? We're not only supposed to honor God, but we're supposed to honor people as well. Romans chapter number 12. By the way, many, many times the church is a lot better at honoring God than they are at honoring people. Amen? But did you realize that the, the two are, are mutually, are not mutually exclusive? They're together. Romans chapter number 12, verse number 10, the Bible says this. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another. We're supposed to honor one another. We're supposed to prefer one another. We're supposed to treat people with great honor and respect. We honor people because we value people. We value people here at LCC because of Genesis 1.27 says, God created man in whose image? His image. Every man, every woman, every boy and girl has been created in the image of God. And because of that, we value people. Amen? We've all been created in the image of God. We've all been given purpose. Amen? We've all been given purpose. God has plans and purposes for us all. People have value no matter what life is thrown at them, no matter what they have been through. God's plans and purposes are still alive and intact. And that's reason enough to value people. Amen? I have a little illustration I want to show you. Don, if you'll throw up that little, uh, that little picture that I gave you. You're about to see up here a, um, a $5 bill. Okay? Now, that's a rough-looking $5 bill, isn't it? Why would you do that to a $5 bill? Well, I didn't do that on purpose, okay? About a month or so ago, I'm cutting the grass next door, okay? And Ronnie, I saw something fly. I was like, ooh, $5 bill, okay? And that's what it looked like. That's what happens when you hit that with a lawnmower, okay? So I picked it up, and I tried to find one little corner piece, but I couldn't, okay? So I took it home to Chantel, and we taped it together, and I was a little worried would they take it, okay? So I decided to go to Popeye's. No, I didn't try the chicken sandwich because they were out of them, okay? But I got me a $5 box, okay? And guess what, Grace? They took my $5 bill, 
okay? Now I asked, I was like, hey, can y'all take this? Sure, we can take this, okay? Why do I tell you this story? Because you know what? That $5 bill, as bad as it looks, as tough as it's what it's been through, has not lost its value. Now, if our currency is that valuable, no matter what it's been through, how much more valuable are you as a child of God? You know, the enemy went on to lie to you and say, because of what you've been through, because of what you've done, because of all the times you failed him, you have lost your value, you're no good to him. That is a lie from the pit of hell, friend. If that old Torah bill is still worth $5, how much more are you worth today? How much more valuable are you worth? Doesn't matter what you've been through, doesn't matter where you've been, it only matters where you're going, amen? And that's why we value and honor people here at the house of God. Amen? Doesn't matter what you've been through. Stop believing the enemy's lives. You are valuable. You have been created in the image of Almighty God with plans and purposes for Him. Amen? That's why we value people. Also, don't devalue someone by judging them based upon a season. You know, I found this recently on Facebook, and it's just such a great reminder. Sometimes we just see a small snippet of somebody's life, and we make judgments, okay? First of all, we shouldn't be judging, okay? The Bible tells us that ain't our job, okay? But never judge someone based upon a season. Consider some of these Bible characters. One season, David, we were talking about him, was a shepherd. The next season, he was a king. A lot can change in a season. One season, Ruth, you remember her? was working in the field, the next season she was owning the same field. See, if you look at somebody just on a season, you can make some bad judgments. One season Mordecai was sitting outside the king's palace, the next season he was inside the palace. Amen? A lot can change. Three years ago, I was a PE teacher and a coach at Franklin High who was preaching for a little old church in Burwick and just got started. Look at us today. Amen? Don't you just judge somebody by season. We serve a God who turns things around, a God of unmerited favor. Can we give that God a great big old hand this morning? Amen. Amen. So we honor God around here and we honor people as well. We don't value, we, we, we value people because God values people. Finally, we also honor God by recognizing and honoring spiritual authority. 1 Timothy chapter number 5. 1 Timothy chapter number 5. Great teaching right here. 1 Timothy chapter number 5, verse number 17. The Bible says this. That's 2 Timothy. That won't do me no good. 1 Timothy chapter number 5, verse number 17. It says this. Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in the word and in doctrine. Also, Ephesians chapter number 4. Ephesians chapter number 4, you've heard this before in verse number 11. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure and the statue of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him in all things which is the head, even Christ." 
from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. What does that mean? Guys, this is God's church. Amen? He's put leadership in place. He has strategically placed each and every one of us according to the giftings and the abilities that he gave us to be put together as the body of Christ. Amen? Are we all the head? I hope not. Pastor Randy himself said anything with two heads is a monster. Okay? That ain't right. But, But God has put us all together. I'm just glad to be a part of the body. Amen? Guys, I've played just about every part in the body, from a big toe to a to a foot to a hand to the head. I played them all, and you can as well if you'll just trust God. LCC is God's church, and He has the final say in all matters. There's a great teaching that I'm about to take my uh, uh, our board through. It's a book written by Rick DeBose, who's now our assistant general superintendent. Old fellow's gone a long way from North Texas. And he wrote a book called The Church That Works. Okay? You know what, guys? There's been churches down in the past that they've had some trouble. Okay? We wouldn't know anything about that, would we? (laughs) Okay? But part of the reason for that trouble is they think the church is a democracy. It is not. Okay? I'm going to get over here by Pastor Randy. This is where I'll get most of the amens. Okay? The church is not a democracy. Okay? Now, we believe in membership, and that's that's appropriate. We have many new members that we're about to receive, and that's awesome. And when you become a member, you get a vote around here. But guess who gets the ultimate vote? No, not the pastor. Not the board. God. Amen? Because this is not a democracy. You know, in a democracy, everybody gets a vote and the majority rules. Guys, in the kingdom of God, the majority is not always right. In fact, I can show you examples in the Bible where the majority was anything but right. Remember the spies going into the, 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 the promised land? Two of them had a good report. Ten of them had a terrible report. So who they went with? They went with the ten. It cost them 40 years. But guys, the kingdom of God is a theocracy. God calls the shots, okay? And he is the head, okay? He is the shepherd, the good shepherd. Then under that, he has an under-shepherd for the local church. That's the local pastor. Then he has leadership from there. He has staff. He has a pastor emeritus. He has a board. He has different spiritual levels of leadership. And guys, because we honor God and because we honor people, we honor spiritual authority. And look, guys, in the times in the past when churches got in trouble, when this church has got in trouble, it's because we violated that principle. But guys, we're, get, we're just reminding you, this is how we do things here. We honor God and we honor people. He has placed church leadership in place as he sees fit. From me as the pastor... To Pastor Randy as Pastor Emeritus, to every ministry leader, to every board member, to every member today. The Lord has put us together as the body of Christ in this culture of honor. We recognize and respect the giftings of God in each of us and honor that as we collectively honor God. Amen? Guys, that's a church that works. That's a church that's strong and healthy. That's a, that's a culture of honor. Amen? As bliss comes this morning, honor, a core value here at Lighthouse Community Church. 
a core value that pleases God. A core value that is not only biblical, but it's very, very practical. So I ask you a question this morning. Are you living a life that honors God? Are you living a life that honors God? Are the things you're doing, are the things you're saying, or the way you're living your life bringing glory and honor to God? Because that's God's will for your life, amen? If you're not bringing honor and glory to God, it's time to make some changes. Are you keeping His commandments as part of your love and your honor for Him? Jesus said it in John 14, If you love me, you'll do what I say. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. 